Ron and Anian. A car, is, it, it gets to be a critical issue of safety. You don't know where you'll be when that breaks. The car doctor. I think four-wheel drive as a rule across the manufacturers that are out there today, I think it's easier to maintain and cheaper on the pocketbook. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I was reading a recent copy of Generator and Distributor because... What else would a mechanic read in his off hours? I mean, it's not, you know, we're not reading novels. And um, Generator and Distributor is the uh, national magazine for the uh, Vintage Chevrolet Car Club Association. I think it's the VCC something or other. Let me, get the, let, me get the, let me get the correct nomenclature. The Vintage Chevrolet Club of America. And it's really neat, right? It's all old Chevrolets. The only thing I don't like about the magazine is if you become a member, they list your name, address, and what your car is. And I keep saying that's the dumbest thing I ever saw because in this day of internet information, everybody can go and find out what car you got and then come and rob it. But that's just, I'm from Jersey. I'm suspicious of everybody, you know. Um, around here, we think Sopranos are home movies. So um, I'm reading the article on the 55 Chevys, obviously, with, a, with, a, with the interest that I have for them. And the article starts out, 1955, a gallon of gas was 29 cents a gallon, a first-class postage stamp, was three cents, and the Brooklyn Dodgers defeated the Yankees in the World Series and on the waterfront was almost a sweeping movie in the Academy Awards by winning Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actor and Best Director, and Gunsmoke made its debut on CBS. You know how long ago that was? But watch the numbers, okay? Um, General Motors, and I, I just had to read this because I was curious how many 55 Chevys were ever made? And I never really knew the number. I, I, I had heard it was, you know, this million and a half cars. But um, their, their number, they made 1,736,723 55 Chevrolets in 1955. That's crazy. That's a little under 2 million cars at a time when, you know, to have one car was unheard of to have two is preposterous right and now people have two and three and four cars how many people have more than one car i think it's an oddity if somebody only has one car and i just you know you look at how the automobile industry has transformed the country and made it it's not just about transportation it's 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 a mark on culture and i look back like this because I look back at this because I keep looking forward and I keep thinking about the electric vehicle. There was an article online this week, um, Rivian, Rivian, I think it is, Rivian electric truck. And I've got Tom working on it. We want to try and interview somebody and talk to them. And they've come out with an electric truck that has a motor at each wheel and they can spin the thing like a tank. It works independently. And you think about the cultural mark that that will leave on society. If, if it works, right? And yet the 55 Chevys are still here. And it was so simple. It was, you know, gas was under 30 cents a gallon. A postage stamp was three cents. Um, we knew who the good guys were. We knew who the bad guys were. Um, we still didn't trust politicians. Although I guess we did. Eisenhower was president in the 50s, right? Um, we figured he won the war. He was safe to elect to the White House. Um, just, just neat stuff. Just, 
You know, that's the problem with looking back, that uh, you look back and you think, how do we ever get here? <laughs> um, but, you know, just something to think about. And I think about electric vehicles and what they're going to do. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting time. So we can talk about that a little bit later. Hello and welcome. Ron and the Car Doctor. We are here. By the way, I haven't talked about it in a while. I should mention um, cardoctorshow.com if you're looking for the website. And also we have a Facebook page, Ron and the Car Doctor. That's there for you to comment and uh, send us your thoughts and, uh, you know, whatever it is that uh, cranks your fancy, as we like to say around here on the Car Doctor. Let's go to Jack in West Virginia, 97 Ford Escort, and uh, some airbag issues. Jack, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Jack, oh. yes, sir. Um, I had a horn issue a few months ago. The corn got stuck, and the mechanic took had to put a part inside where the airbag is. A clock spring? And excuse me. The clock spring, maybe. Well, I'm not sure exactly what he did. I know he removed the airbag and had to put this piece inside to. Okay. Where the steering wheel is, where you hit the horn. Right. To unstick it or whatever. And ever since then, I've had the airbag light flashing. Okay. And I, I went back to him, and he said, well, he said, it'll have to be reset by the manufacturer, but it's okay. It'll still work. Mm-hmm. Is is that true, or is that not, is, or is, what can I do? Is this your regular mechanic, Jack? Well, it's a uh, local mechanic. Um, it's not a dealership. Okay. So is this... Is this it is, it is, is a regular mechanic. Is this like your guy that you go to on a regular basis? Yes, sir. Um, do you trust this guy? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Um, then ask I him. Think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, because I got to tell you, if bologna's a dollar fifty nine a pound, I hope you enjoy your sandwich because I think that's what he's giving you. Um, uh, yeah, if the airbag light's on, brother, that if the airbag light is on, the airbag system does not work. Well, it's right? blinking, and whether it's blinking on, if it's illuminated, it's not working. So he okay. he needs, you don't necessarily need to go to the dealer. You need to go to a competent repair shop, whether it's a dealer or an independent, that's got the correct tooling and the scan tool with the ability to read that system and disseminate just what's going on. It's probably going to be a fault somewhere related to the clock spring airbag circuit up top there. If it wasn't there before, then, okay. you know, that's that's where you're headed. But the real question is, and I think your question for him is, listen, I've been coming to you. How long have you been going to this guy? Oh, uh, several years. Right. Five, you know, ten years. You know, it's it's and whether it's five or ten, regardless, it's more than two months. And, you know, listen, you've been my guy. I've come to you for everything. I've brought my family here. I've brought my friends here. I mean, do you really think this is the proper way for a repair to end? And I think you got to put it back on him. Look, repairs go bad. Everybody has a bad day. You know what? We're all going to be perfect when we're dead. Trust me. We're not going to make any mistakes. But, right. you know, the most important thing is we've got to live up to it while we're here. And he's got to sit there and say, hey, you know what? That repair didn't come out exactly right. And he's got to, he's, if he's going to be professional about it, if he's going to be responsible about it, he owes you an explanation. And, you know, whether it's related to what he did or whether it's coincidence, and I'm not trying to put the finger on him or anybody else, I just, right. uh, you know, it's just a lousy way to end it. Well, somebody told me that if you don't 
take the battery, unplug it or something like that? Well, airbag faults, airbag faults, airbag faults because of safety will generally um, be hard written into processors. Some, Some cars do, some don't. I don't try to remember. I try to do it the right way using a scan tool. If mm-hmm. if 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 I were to take an airbag apart, and and I'm sure somewhere in my career I've taken an airbag apart, and I maybe I forgot to disconnect something, but I doubt it. I airbags kind of scare me a little bit because it's like a shotgun when they go off, they go off so fast. But for conversation's sake, maybe I turned the key to the on position before I connected the bag, and it would have created an open short failure, uh, an open circuit fault in the circuit. I'd have to use a scan tool to clear it. Is my point. But once I cleared it, if the fault didn't exist, the light would stay out. If, if, if that light is lit and clearing it doesn't cause it to go out, then that vehicle's got a fault and it's related to something he assembled wrong. So, okay. uh, listen. Now, can a regular scan tool reset this? A, well. Probably not. No, sir. So when I say scan tool, <clears throat> scan tools speak a variety of languages, all right? Uh, my mo- my mother spoke Armenian and English, all right. English when we were in- English when things were good. Armenian when Ronnie did something wrong, <laughs> all right. I usually learned a lot of bad words in Armenian working on cars, but usually they came from my mother. Look, Ma left a mark in the driveway. Ah, blah, blah, blah. okay, relax. I'll fix it. Um, you know, so scan tools are sort of the same way. A scan tool will speak manufacturer-specific language. It'll go into the engine controller, it'll go into the body controller, it'll go into the ABS and the airbag controller and so on. And by federal law, it will also speak OBD2, which is just emissions-related information. All right? Okay. Now, it's, it's, it's not required to do that. Some manufacturers do, some don't. Uh, you know, it's just it's a matter of what tool it is and, you know, how much it is and how much engineering is in it and so forth. So if you have a if you have a uh, $150 $200 scan tool that only does OBD2, no, you won't be able to get into the airbag system. But right. if you have one that speaks your make model specific language, if it speaks Armenian, well, have <laughs> yeah, if it if it speaks Armenian, then you can get into the airbag and look. But but okay. the bigger but the bigger issue, Jack, I got to tell you the bigger issue is why isn't this guy fixing this thing? I don't know unless he doesn't have the scanner thing to do it with. And and that's okay. You know what? You would take that as an answer, right? Yeah, if it ain't working, you know. Yeah, send me someplace that will fix so, it or whatever. Right. Let's but let's not let's not lose the relationship. And that's what it's about. And that's what auto repair is. Listen, right. Monday morning. Here's the, here's the answer. All right. Is the guy working Monday? Sure. Monday morning. Stop by with two cups of coffee and six donuts. Sit down and talk to the guy, all right? Make nice, all right? Make nice. Try to relate to him on a one-to-one and say, listen, if you can't fix it, I get it. But, you know, now he may throw you out. He may not know what to do with this. People are kind of weird when people treat him nice. It's an interesting phenomenon to watch. Um, It's what I always say. Auto repair is a study in human emotion on both sides of the counter. But see what he says and call me back. Let me know next week. Okay. All right, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. Happy New Year. Take good care. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. It's the little old lady from Pasadena. 
Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. You know, I'm still reading Generator and Distributor, and it's it's kind of interesting before I go back to the phones. So I'm saying with its, exo- with, its, with its exciting redesigned body by Fisher, the 1955 Chevrolet presented a new 12-volt electrical system. 12-volt. Wow. A choice of seven new power options, including the new plus power package, 180 horsepower, small block V8, and exciting options. You ready for this? What kind of options we had in a 1955 Chevrolet? Air conditioning. That was an option. I don't think you could find a car today without air conditioning, right? Self-de-icing wiper blades. I don't know what that is. I'd have to look that one up. That's got to be maybe some kind of scraper. A vacuum-powered ashtray. That I know about. They had a vacuum-powered ashtray. It would suck the ash off the end of your uh, cigarette. You put it in the tray. And yeah, and um, a 12-volt electric razor, which, by the way, is probably a very rare option. I've only seen one. Um, you know, but I've, it's, it's kind of neat. But they had a 12-volt electric razor so you could shave on your way to work. So they created distracted driving 70 years ago. It's not, it's not anything new, right? Today it's texting. But, yeah, that was the – I've only seen one air-conditioned car, and I've only seen one electric razor car, and not the same car. Uh, But if you find an air-conditioned 55 Chevy with factory air, I don't think they made – I don't think they made 800 cars with air conditioning. So do the math. They they built 1.7 million cars. 800 had air? That was the number that I came up with. It was like 8,850. That's crazy. Uh, you know, well, air conditioning was five hundred dollars. The car was fifteen hundred. Air conditioning was five. Who would spend a quarter, the, a third the price of the car on air conditioning? Not a lot of people. So it's uh, a mark on society. You watch, watch what electric cars do to us. Paul in Warwick, New York. How are you today, sir? What can I do for you? Running any in the car doctor at your service? How are you, sir? Good. What's going on? I had a question regarding motor oil. I read somewhere that synthetic blends are not regulated at all, so you never really know what kind of a mixture you're getting. True or false? True. They're not regulated. So, so, and, and to tell you the truth, a lot of the way oils are made are not regulated. And the way they compromise or compose oil is this. Always read the back of the oil bottle. Does this oil meet manufacturer's spec? So if you're driving a Ford, it's got to meet Ford spec. If you're driving a Chrysler, it's got to meet Chrysler spec. If it's got driving a GM, it's got to meet GM spec, and so on. Not all oils are the same. Not all synthetic blends are the same. Not everything I've read. I mean, personally, I don't know why anybody would use a synthetic blend unless the manufacturer specifically said it has to be a synthetic blend. Example, Ford tells us all the time that we have to use a motor oil that meets synthetic blend or above. Okay, for the extra dollar right. for the extra dollar a quart or dollar fifty a quart, whatever it is, I'll put synthetic in it. I can drive the car another fifteen hundred miles. It's it's a little bit longer time, and and above all else, it's better protection. And you know that's right. that's I, that's I the name of the game. You know, um, but I, I see the day conventional oil is getting harder to find now. And I, I see the day where conventional will disappear, and it's going to be synthetic blend. It's going to be synthetic blend and or synthetic. And I bet you, in time, synthetic goes away, and it's just going to um, synthetic blend goes away, and it'll just be synthetic. Uh, the next more and more manufacturers provide full synthetics in their cars now. Am I right? Correct. 
and now they're That's changing. Right. Now they're changing viscosity. That's the next thing. Toyota has, for the last couple of years, had zero W sixteen. Uh, you know, my wife had a sewing machine 30 years ago. We used to put real lightweight sewing machine oil on it. I think that's what this stuff is. I've seen it. I, I, I bought a couple of bottles, and I poured them out, and I poured it out compared to, and it's like water. It's scary how thin this stuff is. I have, but, one, I have one brief follow-up question. My son goes to school in Wisconsin. He brings a car with him, a Mini Cooper. Um, his temperatures down there are, over there, rather, are minus 40 sometimes. Oof. Uh He's got to use a real, real thin oil. I, I kind of insist on a zero, uh, I think zero twenty or something like that when he's out there with that. Right. How damaging is it to an engine that's trying to start a car like that in those temperatures? Because I ask him not to use it when it's that cold. But is <laughs> is is the oil rated for the car? It's rated for the car, but it, minus forty is a tough temperature. Well, minus forty is a tough temperature regardless. But if the oil's rated for the car, Paul. There's really not much right. you can do if the manufacturer says zero twenty with this spec and this additive package in it will provide right. normal protection. You, you got to take you got you got to take them at their word. And I there's there's really not much more you can do about it. But I will say this: extreme temperatures push all kinds of cars, regardless of manufacturer, to the extreme. And ex yeah. and you know minus forty is an extreme. And, uh, I agree. I mean, I, I've been using synthetics for a long time. I use an Amsoil product. Not many people have ever really heard of an Amsoil. That's like late 70s technology, and that yep. was so hard to come by because there were so many of them. Right. Um, anyway. Anyway, but, yeah, listen, I've, I've heard of Amsoil. We used to actually use, back in the day when we could get it, Amsoil was the choice, was the gear oil choice in the first hot rod because it provided such... Yeah, it did. And, you know, the, the sad part was... I never understood Amsoil as a company. I think it's good oil, but their distribution never grew or never, to my knowledge, it's it's very it's it's hard to find. You've got to be a distributor or no distributor. It's um, it's kind of like um, uh, what's that marketing company Amway? That, you know, it's Amsoil Amway. You think it's from the same house? But uh, yeah, I appreciate the call, Paul. Good luck to you and your son out there. Minus forty degree weather. I'm Ron Anney, the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ron and the Andy, the Car Doctor. A quick shout-out and a, uh, a note of thanks to the folks over at WTBQ in Warwick, New York, and WGHT Pompton. We, uh, Tom and I, uh, well, Santa. That was a hoot, wasn't it? Th that was a hoot. Tom was uh, doing his best Santa impersonation. We sent Tom in first Tuesday morning, Christmas Eve, and uh, he sort of, it was a MasterCard moment as he walked in the door, and uh, Frank looked, and, gee, who the heck is this? And I walked in about two minutes later behind him, uh, we presented Frank with a 3-8 gold-plated, 22-carat gold-plated ratchet, uh, signifying he is the uh, gold standard in radio in this area, and uh, to express our thanks for his support over the years. And uh, just had a good time. We sat there for the better part of two and a half hours talking radio, and um, uh, we got to talk to people from Warwick, and, uh, you know, it's... Listen, that's what radio is, right? Local I thought radio. Taylor was going to fall off her chair. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, it's you know what, Tom. But that's what radio is. That's it. it it's not corporate. Um, you know, a lot of what people hear on this show is really well. Here, 
So we, we talked to Paul Nebraska. I yep. think those are Nebraska plumbing, right. owner of Nebraska plumbing and heating, plumbing and heating up in Warwick. And he said to me, he said, um, he said, so how much prep time do you do for the show? And I went, let's say, and Tom answered it. I thought Tom's answer was great. Yeah, I thought, it was, yeah, me too. I said he takes a fifteen minute nap right before airtime. We wake him up and we throw him on the air, and, and that's it. That's really that's the prep. I mean, it's you know. And he said, how can you do that? And I said, because I'm just because I do this every day, and this is you know I'll think about things a little bit. I have something going on in my head, but. Yeah, there is no prep. There's no script. There's nothing written down. It's just flying by the seat of your pants, and that's what makes radio. It's, I don't know. Maybe we should do it the other way. Maybe we'd, uh, maybe we'd be in ten thousand markets. So, but um, again, uh, happy new year, and thanks to Frank and Taylor up there at TBQ and uh, GHT. We appreciate it, and uh, we love seeing you guys. Let's get over. Where are we going here? We're going to. Uh, let's go to Sam in Illinois. Eleven Toyota Avalon. Sam, where are we at with this Avalon? Refresh Hi. my memory. What was wrong with this? Sure. Um, original, I'm the original owner. It's got 60,000 on it. The front end of the car or the bottom of the car is shuttering. And at that time you had told me that, you know, the age of the car and everything and the tires were original. So what I had done was I got uh, them balanced and rotated. And then it was, uh, I rotated each one different areas of, of the wheel axles and stuff. It didn't change the shutter at all. Okay. Um, so then I got rid of the four tires, and I got brand new tires. This was the Chinese tires or something, right? These were the cheaper tires that you no, no, put no. Out? These were no, no. These were original. These were original. Um, okay. Uh, they weren't. They keep, originally they put in Michelin and and uh, Bridgestones. What is what they did? Whichever. Gotcha. Assembly line it came off, I guess. But those were the two models that came in. Gotcha. And uh, and I was reading some forums about it, and they do have some problems with that, but there's no answer. They kept. You know, pointing to the the axles, the there was no codes, and the, as far as the right, still I there is I still can't find anything to you know get because one one person changed the axle, the inner axle or something, and he got rid of the noise a little bit, and then it came back again. Okay, let me ask. So, but mine is. Go ahead. Let, let me tell you this part: the, the the shutter comes on at exactly thirty miles. Per hour. I thought it was thirty-seven. And, is it thirty or thirty-seven? Well, you're right. That, that's 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 the second time. Yes, that's the second. Those are the two intervals. Correct. That's exactly right. And only on on deceleration on acceleration. I'm sorry. And I've tried that on deceleration. It doesn't do anything. Just there's no you know. And if and you're I, if, trying to, if you're rolling along at thirty-seven miles an hour and pop it into neutral, does the vibration go away? Yeah, I'm, I I haven't done that yet. I just didn't know what it would do, so I wanted to talk to you again. Yeah, um, it's, it's so, listen. If we so, were if we were at the okay. shop, I would I would run you through everything yeah. that you've done, and then yeah. my next my next step would be because I want to know: is it a vibration caused by the load of the engine and the drivetrain against the body? Does it go okay. away? Is it speed related? Is it okay. load related? What? So, yeah, you know, okay, listen, I, I want to be careful not to, let me just other, say this part. Let me just say this part. I want to be careful, obviously, not to pop it into reverse, because that makes for an exciting time. But, right, you know, right, th right, 37 right. miles an hour, uh, pop it into neutral and roll. If the vibration goes away, then I'm right. going to start to think, do I have an issue in the trans? Is, is this torque converter shutter? Is this a trans shutter? How many miles okay. are on this car? 64. Okay. Have you ever changed the trans fluid? Okay, how long? I'm pretty good with maintenance. How long ago? Uh, probably, probably about at uh, forty-five thousand. Okay, 
So have you looked at the color of the fluid? Does the fluid still look good? It was the fluid was still good. Yeah, and I okay. I used the original the WS right. as all the time. So what if you did One this? Thing, Go ahead. You tell me your story first. Uh, Go ahead. Um, the other thing was when I do watch that speedometer, I notice at certain times only the RPM spikes a little bit. You know, like you like. For whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe it's the actual RPM. I mean, it's it's the revolution that it goes up. But this, I, I see it spiking though. It's like a quick, you know, it's not a smooth RPM. Uh, it's a spike, and then it comes down when that when that happens. Okay, do this. Take it out. Make the vibration yeah. happen. Two feet. Yeah. One. Just 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 hold the. Just hold the gas steady at whatever speed, 30, 37, whichever one makes the vibration. Okay. Tap the brake pedal with your other foot. Okay. Does the vibration go away? Okay. If it does, All right. if it does, we've got a trans issue of some kind. Oh. Because, yeah, I'm sorry, because, <laughs> because... The issue is when you hit the brake, you're releasing the overdrive or the lockup converter. I see. So okay. let's let's see what that does for I us. See. I see. It's starting to sound more and All more right. like a trans issue because it's at specific miles per hour. Thirty and thirty seven are right. pretty are pretty consistent. Yes. Is it there, very specific. Is it, exactly. is it there cold, Sam? No, I, I and I notice whenever it's warmed up, it like when I say warmed up, within five minutes. Okay. It's warmed up, and then it'll do it. I bet if you watch this so, on a scan tool, I bet if you watch this uh -huh. on a scan tool from a cold start, I bet as long as the car is in open loop. Look okay. at look at look at feedback control. Look at uh, fuel feedback. Uh, yeah, fuel feedback control. Um, I bet you as long as this is in open loop. The problem doesn't happen, and then as soon as it goes closed loop, the, the the PCM will then lock up the converter. It doesn't apply converter until the vehicle's warmed up, and that that also that also points me towards a transition. So, which part of the transmission? Just the torque converter, or something else? Well, then we got to get into say? the conversation. If it if it is the converter, and I would leave this yeah. up to, I would leave this up to the trans guy when he takes it apart. If it is the converter. Uh, you know, okay. what does he find inside the trans? Is there is there particulate throughout the trans? Is the converter coming apart? You know, transmission huh. transmissions work on transmissions work on hydraulic pressure and very 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 tiny passageways. So if if there's matter throughout the trans, it could be an issue. Now, right. it's a conversation I would have with either a trans guy that's done fifty of them or or the Toyota dealer that's done fifty of them, and they tell you, yeah, we always put converters in and we never have an issue. Or, hey, we do converters and transes because we see this as a common failure. But something in the back of my head is 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 reminding me that there's a converter issue with these, and uh -huh. that okay. I think it goes I think it goes fifty fifty. I think it depends on which dealer you talk to. One dealer's one dealer's yeah. putting converters in, and the other dealer's doing converters and transes. I see. Um, but I bet you let's, On the other let's, hand, just leave it alone and keep driving it. <laughs> well, and then it's surely going to come apart. But now the that's only fine. other, the only oh, other thing you could do, okay. well, the only other thing you yeah. could do is Band-Aid in a bottle, is get yourself yeah. down to a local, you know, if you got a, if you got a local O'Reilly Auto Parts and they've got some uh, torque yeah. converter shutter juice, 
You could try that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not a fan of Band-Aid I in a see. bottle, but it's been known to happen. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I'm not either. You know, sixty thousand miles. Uh, there's certain things I'll yeah, do and certain things I won't do, and that's just, I, I just, I'd rather know if the transit's coming apart. It's going to save more money in the long run. Okay. Have right. you heard anything with the newer ones at all? Similar, like 2018, 19s? No. Anything? Not this particular no. problem, no, sir. No, On sir. That one. Okay. All right. All right. Good so enough. do those right, things. I bet you that's Appreciate it. You call it. me back, let me know. You're welcome, Sam. You take good care. All right. Thank you. Try and have a happy new year. How can you say happy new year to a guy? He just told him his car probably needs a transmission. Add three, four grand. Happy new year. <laughs> Drink up, Shriners. Okay, Ron and Ian, the car doctor, will be back right after this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here I come in my 57 cheese. Name of the car doctor. Let's get over and talk to Donald in Illinois, 02 Ford Ranger. Donald, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, I've got a 2002 Ford Ranger XLT, a four wheel drive, and the tires I have on it now is that 245 75R16s. And I noticed my spare was 235 75R15 is a 15 inch. Can I take them 16s off and buy the rims for 15-inch uh, rims and put the 15-inch tires, or is there anything special I have to do? Well, let's back up a second. What does the door placard say the tire size should be on the truck? Did you look well, at that? I, was, I have not looked at that yet, to be honest with you. I looked. I went on Google and found out, and they said 235.15s. Right. But I'm just, I just I, I have not looked on the door thing, which I should have did, and I forgot. Because so. I'm, uh, I'm thinking that the truck originally had 15s, and somebody else put 16s on it. You, you, you bought the truck secondhand? Yeah, so yeah, secondhand, and uh, that was what the deal is. I was I looked at the tires, and they was needed some new tires. Was going to need some new tires, but I took the spare off to see what size it was and go through the process, and it was in real good shape. Right. But I noticed it was two thirty-five, seventy-five R fifteens, and I thought, well, I can't do that then because of different tire size. So I was going to think, and it was if you, and it was. If it works out properly, I'd love to put the 15s back on there and sell the, uh, the rims and stuff like that, for, for, uh, the 16-inch rims and everything. And I could not think of anything right offhand that would prevent me from doing that, but I thought I'd give, somebody, give uh, some uh, advice from somebody else. Right. And, base, and I appreciate that, brother. Um, basically, you're probably fine. My guess is... It had 15s on it from the start because it has a 15-inch spare, and I bet you the door placard uh, will also tell us and support that it had 15s from the get-go. Somebody put 16s on it. They probably didn't change anything. If they did, then you should be able to change it back by the same way, and that way would be using a Ford dealer-level scan tool, an IDS. If, if the ability to set, um, they call it um, module programming or module personality, uh, to go in there and change tire size if it's necessary. My guess is most people take the shortcut. I'm sure they just put the 16s on and didn't change anything. So do this. Get it out to the highway. Run it up to 60 miles an hour. Hit the stopwatch. Should go a minute mile marker to mile marker at 60. If it's off by a little bit, when you put the 15s on, repeat it. If now it goes within two seconds, mile marker to mile marker at 60, then you know 15s is what it was calibrated for all along, and you just corrected something. 
chances are, and I'm gonna I'm gonna overreach here a little bit. Chances are you're gonna find that it doesn't make enough of a noticeable difference in terms of time, the 16 versus the 15, and you're gonna be fine either way, and it won't the truck won't really notice the difference. Uh, but I would. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but I would I would check the door placard first to make sure. You know, what are the odds somebody changed the spare <laughs> and put the wrong yeah, spare no, put the wrong spare in the there, truck? And I, didn't think, I didn't think too much about it when I bought the vehicle and stuff like this. And then right. why I was, uh, I thought, well, I've got to check that spare. Make, and it was it was low on air and everything, which is right. no big deal. because I got an air compressor for that. But then I noticed the size is 235.75 R15 on the spare. Like, well, I can't put that on that truck with the 16s. No. So in other words, you know, I... Uh, and that was, a, and that was the dilemma I was in. Well, I don't see nothing wrong. Uh, no, I don't, and I don't see I don't see anything wrong with what you're trying to do either. I think I think what we said is absolutely correct. And go change, put the 15s on after you run the test, and repeat it. And I think you'll be fine. Happy New Year, kiddo. Good luck to you, Donald. I'm Ron Annie, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's go over to Frank in Delaware. Frank, we got about two minutes, brother. What's going on? Hey, hello. Thanks, yes, sir. Ron. Yes, sir. For taking the call. Uh, I'm looking at a 2016 uh, Z71 uh, uh, crew cab uh, with 20,700 miles. Okay. I was just wondering, uh, what, it's a Silverado. I'm wondering what your opinion is of that vehicle. Um, I like it. I like it, too. Uh, listen, I've been driving Chevy pickup trucks the last Let's see, started in '91. I've had a I've had a Chevy pickup since '91. I'll say it that way. I've had three of them: '91, um, uh, okay. to 2008, and the uh, 2019. And I think they're all good trucks. I think uh, Chevy gives a lot of bang for the buck. I I would just be leery. Why so little miles, and why are they getting rid of it? It's my only question. Yeah, it was a one owner. Okay. Uh, the Carfax is is fine. Right. Uh, no, uh, no other issues other than services, right. uh, routine services, and uh, it it rides nice. Uh, it's more comfortable than my Traverse, right? Right. That I had twenty seventeen Traverse. Uh, I lost that in an accident two and a half weeks ago. It okay. was uh, totaled, uh, so I didn't want to buy a new vehicle. She she runs good. It's a it's a V six. Okay, coming from it's, the it's a, coming coming from the Chevy dealer or coming from a private owner? Uh, it's a, it's on the lot. It was the one owner. Had All right, it. and I mean so, it's so, clean. So 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 do this, Frank. Here's here's a couple of tips. Look at the radio stations. What radio stations are selected? You know, if it's if it's punk metal, heavy rock, you know, somebody driving it might have been a little bit more aggressive. If it's if it's an AM talker, and maybe they were kind of docile and 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 you know sort of calm. Uh, pull the dipstick out. How cleans the engine oil dipstick? Take a look around under the hood. That should have the original battery in it. Um, it you know, which is, it's, it, it might be coming due for a battery. It's four going on five years old. Look at the brake pedal wear. Take a look under the truck. You want to pay particular attention to rust in and around the undercarriage and make sure that there's nothing excessive. But as a rule, good solid truck. You should do very well in that for years to come. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor, reminding you all Happy New Year. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. Uh,